Hello and welcome to episode 616 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, November 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin Mason. God, why'd she take an hour to start that? Leave it in. <laughs> Everyone can wait with anticipation like I did. I thought I queued it up well enough. Jeez, take longer, Marilyn. Probably waste it out of her mind. Fun fact, my grandfather was actually at that uh, that celebration. That is a fun fact. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, that was Marilyn Monroe. Uh, wishing you a happy birthday. It is in fact your birthday, so happy birthday to you. Hope it's uh, hope it's been a good one so far. I literally uh, just woke up, so yeah. then it has been. Yeah, I mean, that, I was gonna say that. I'm sure. That I'm sure my wife or children will try to ruin it for me at some point, but I'm also one of those people that doesn't make a big deal uh, about their birthday, but then complains the entire time that nobody else is making a big deal about it. Oh, you're that type. Yeah. No, it, it's well, it's mostly joking around, but it's. I it's just fun. had Marilyn sing to you, so. Well, I appreciate it, and then and your girlfriend sent me a beautiful picture of you. Didn't uh, she though? On Twitter, so it was. Uh, please, guy, I retweeted it. Please go check it out. <laughs> uh, it's really, it's really good. Uh, so, we're gonna talk some stuff today, some baseball. Even I thought, I thought maybe it'd be a good idea. Um, Nick and I talked yesterday about the pitcher list mock. We're gonna give you a chance to talk a little bit about your own club, even though. I think I did a sufficient job talking about your club, gassing oh, it up sweet. a bit. I, I haven't gotten to that point yet. I had just listened to the first five minutes when you guys talked about Steve Bogman. <laughs> Good old Steve, man. I love Steve. <laughs> Great dude. I love mean. Steve. Steve and Charles over there. Mm-hmm. Charles Welsh and, and Steve Bogman. Oh, they are just gold. Uh, I love what they're doing over there at uh, out of this league. But... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, we'll give you some uh, opportunity to talk a little bit about what you've been doing with your club, and and then we're going to get into some more pitching. Uh, kind of the back end of the top 100 list is what we mentioned that we would talk about. So we're looking at guys 65 and later, and we've got a host of guys to go through and give some thoughts on. But let's start with that pitcher list mock, because uh, you had the 12th pick, and as I mentioned yesterday, you did, in fact, get Vlad. But, uh, you know, that's that's not it. You've, you've put together 10 picks now. And I kind of see what you're doing with uh, with guys like Vlad, Marte, and, and Votto, and Turner, and what they've allowed you to do later in the draft. But why don't you give us a rundown of, of what you got so far through 10? Well, let me start by saying that this is a slow mock, and people are taking the slow part of this very, very seriously. It's funny that you say that, because yesterday on the pod, I said that the pace was fine. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah. it's Maybe it's because I, I'm in, uh, I mentioned, I think last week, that I'm in this uh, 30 team dynasty slow draft uh, for for friends of fancy benefits. It's uh, a lot of our staff participating in this, and it is 30 30 teams. I think we have 45 picks each, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure we are going to finish before this mock. Yeah, I mean, dynasty players are psychopaths, though. Yes, so yeah, we, we definitely are, and it's these are industry folks. They're all also working. <laughs> Jobs. Jobs stuff. are overrated. 
jobs are indeed overrated. But yeah, I, I don't know. I thought the pace was, was pretty good. No one really stops it up, uh, you know, too much. Looks like Brent got that, caught. That's you Steve know, Steve Bogman, dude. It's just Steve, dude. Oh, Steve. Just the worst. I prefer Scott Bogman, but Steve, garbage. Mm-hmm. No, Scott is a great dude. I, I like Scott a lot, but Steve, Steve, yeah, trash bag. Yeah, it just so. You got you got a couple nats to open mm-hmm. it up with Turner and Scherzer and uh, kind of take us from there. Let us know what you're what you're doing here. Well, I think obviously, and I think you guys mentioned this. One and two for me are pretty obvious when you're in a draft this year. It's it's Mike Trout and Mookie Betts, and then I think the consensus is that Jose Ramirez and Lindor are kind of three, four in whatever order. I think some people will take shots on... Yeah, some people take shots on Arenado. Some people are going to take shots on Acuna. JD. Uh, Yeah, JD may get mixed in there. Uh, My five, after those four that I mentioned, is Trey Turner. I believe it. And so Turner falling all the way to 12 for me and then being able to pair him up with the best pitcher in baseball and Max Scherzer... Seemed like a no-brainer start. Uh, I I wanted to go away from it because I'm getting Turner everywhere. I, I'm obviously uh, one of the higher people on Turner. Um, I don't know why people wouldn't be in. I don't get it either. Uh, it I, wasn't I somebody, a down season. Yeah, I had someone send me an article on, he was like, this is why Turner isn't a first-round pick. And I'm like, I'm not reading this. You get no clicks from me, sir. Well, I was going to say, what was it? Because, like, I... <sighs> I don't get it because, I mean, he was still a top 20 hitter in what we would – or top 10 hitter, top 20 player on the player radar. He was 19th in what everyone would consider a down season. And if that's your down season, I mean, sign if, if me that, up. Yeah, if that's your floor, then what more are you asking from? And if he finishes as the number one player in fantasy next year, no one's going to be surprised. No, he, he's got he all the pieces to do it. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I mean, I love the start. Uh, I'm gonna have a ton of shares. I I took him fifth overall in the Rotorman mock, which is for a magazine, so I won't give away anything else I did. But I, people, people from my site, especially, were like, "Well, what are you doing? Why why aren't you taking like Acuna? Why aren't you?" Which was surprising to see him drop all the way to twentieth in this draft, uh, but. Uh, it just, I think it's such a safe pick, and Max Scherzer is another safe pick, and it allows me to do a lot of different th- things when the, uh, the the rest of the draft kind of comes around to me. And so I think, like you mentioned, I, in 3-4, take Starling Marte, who I think is another one of those pieces that I don't know if it's the suspension uh, that he had or whether it's because he plays in Pittsburgh or you know he can, be, he can get dinged up and miss games. But Starling Marte, to me, is a second round player that I got uh, in the back end of the third uh, just feels again, another guy who's going to offer speed. He's going to offer power uh, allows me to take Vlad Guerrero who I'm not necessarily going to take very often, but I mean, he's projected to lead the majors in average. Yeah. That's his, uh, that's his steamer, which is nuts. So uh, address some average and address some power. Uh, and then I was shocked in the five six to have Joey Votto still sitting there. People are down on him, man. The power. I get it, but it's really this is a guy who's been perennially a top fifteen, top twelve pick oh, yeah. in, still, in most formats, and so to get him at the back end of the fifth round seemed like a steal. 
Uh, got my second picture in Jack Flaherty, who I love and think he uh, uh, is an ace in the making right now. Uh, and then we... I never asked Nick this, but I assumed we're a two-catcher league because we've got 23 draft spots. Um, so maybe that was a bad assumption. So in the, in the next two picks, I took Edwin Diaz, uh, arguably the top closer, uh, depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about Blake Trinan. I, I probably have Trinan ranked ahead uh, of Diaz, but I think Diaz is right there with him. The, yeah, the only either way, concern, right there. Yeah, the only concern is how many wins do the Mariners have if they're breaking everything down. Sure. Because they're not going to trade him, uh, obviously. So, uh, and then I took Gary Sanchez, take take a guy who was a second round pick last year it, coming off. I think the it's only back. one catcher, by the way. If oh. you click the rosters, it is. But I mean, where you took him, it was time. Yeah, I I, th- I felt fine about it. And catcher is such Eight a times. wasteland uh, this year, and it, it just it seems. Uh, I, I hate getting a guy who's going to give me negative value, and there are guys you can get in a back end of a of a one catcher league that are at least going to not give you negative value. So that's sure. the way I'll probably go more times than not. But honest, I'll be honest. I thought it was a two catcher league, uh, so I, I figured I'd, I'd grab my first catcher, uh, and then uh, finished up with these last two rounds. I took D Gordon and Joey Gallo. Uh, I think if Gordon gets moved, which I think we all expect him to, he'll probably run a little bit more. Uh, I hope the average can bounce back a little bit, but I think it put together a, a decent batting average floor for the most part anyway, so I can absorb uh, a hit with Joey Gallo, who offers immense p- uh, power potential and probably mm-hmm. at this point of the draft is my weakest uh, my weakest category. Yeah, and that's what's something that I uh, talked about yesterday with the way you set up the batting average to be able to take on a Gallo and a Sanchez, really, because we don't know that he's, he's going to bounce back and, and be more... Uh, you know, near the 278, 299, what he did the first two years. He had 186 this year. I still think there's batting average upside with Gary Sanchez. A healthy Gary Sanchez is a tremendous hitter. But even if he does meander and stay kind of down in maybe the 240s or something on a a negative end, that would still be fine because I think you've built a base. So I think you got a good crew going. Um, Obviously, can't really ask you what you're looking to do in 11 and 12 because I do pick twice before you pick again. I can but, tell uh, you I have no idea. I, I, I imagine pitchers have got to come to the fold again at some point because you just have the two. Although you do have Diaz, so that helps. Mm-hmm. So you and, do and, I mean, having having a guy like Scherzer, who you know is going to give you 200-plus innings of elite work, and it being a 12-team league, pitching is a lot deeper than in a 15-team league. So Certainly. One of the reasons I, I love taking a guy like Scherzer at the top of a draft like this is knowing I can wait forever on starting pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of got the second guy to back him up. I felt like it was good value. But if I want, I can wait till you know, the 13th round to take my third pitcher, uh, considering my base already, uh, and, and kind of really load up on those hitting categories and, and kind of try to run away with, with, with the offense. Yeah, absolutely, and I th- I think that that's definitely the path that you're taking, and we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. I know Nick and I are going to do a follow-up uh, another handful of rounds from now, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, and we'll see where your team's at from there. But let's dive into some pitchers. It's always always fun to uh, discuss pitchers, and we talked a little bit about the top end, middle end uh, of the top 100 on various pods, both you and I, and both uh, and me and Nick, so... Let's get into the back end a little bit. Obviously, uh, there's another glob this year for sure. I think it might even be bigger than last year's. 
And uh, so you're going to have, you know, big shifts in ranking. Someone's going to have somebody say, you know, 68th. Another person's going to have that same guy 42nd. And, you know, when the two present their cases, you'll be like, yeah, I guess that does make sense. Like they are that close. And that, that's just, that's the point of the glob is that you can really make your choices with guys. Not that you just uh, throw your hands up and don't do anything about it, but that you shouldn't get super bogged down um, with or, or para- paralyzed by it. You should be firm with choices on guys that you like, kind of stake your claim to different guys, and you'll kind of see their draft value bounce around a bit so uh, we're going to actually go in reverse order here because we've listed them from the bottom up so let's start with 98 ryan yarbrough and he was such an interesting guy this year i played a head-to-head this year uh and i was really into it It as a really tough competitive league and they had starts limits so somebody like ryan yarbrough was a a godsend really it was a points league and and the wins mattered and the fact that he nabbed 16 wins and only had six starts he was just such an interesting guy and a lot of people didn't want to hold him. He kept finding his way back on the waiver wire in that league, and I, I ended up hanging on to him for a good while. So he only had a 391-129 ERA whip combo, which isn't special, but obviously the 16 wins make him such an asset. If he fills that role again, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he won't push another double-digit win total, which is pretty nice. When you start your game in the second, your win probability goes up quite a bit. So what do you think of Ryan Yarbrough uh, next year? I think that is uh, the exact point I you know I wanted to make by putting him on this list is that we we always say don't chase the win, but Ryan Yarbrough is a guy we can chase the win with. I really think we can, yeah. And uh, it, it, he just seems uh, like a guy who's not not only did he have almost 150 innings this year, he had over 150 innings in the minors. So this isn't a guy who is necessarily not going to give you you know a fair amount of innings for a back end of your rotation guy in fantasy uh he put up great numbers the the rays were very successful employing this strategy so there's no reason to think they're going to go away from it now uh you would think more likely to see other teams copy it which we kind of saw uh towards the end of the season and into the playoffs so Mm -hmm. i think that yarborough from a fantasy perspective, if we're talking about from a straight like ranking pitchers based on skills, uh, he probably deserves to be around 98. But from a fantasy perspective, in a era in which the win is going to be harder and harder to get for certain pitchers, especially in the mid-tier levels, I'd probably bump him up a good 15 to 20 spots uh, just because... Dude, like you said, dude got 16 wins with only six starts last year. Yeah. That that's insane, and especially in those leagues, like you said, with starts limits, uh, it makes a ton of sense yeah. uh, to uh, uh, add uh, a guy like Yarborough who isn't going to hurt you with those starts limits either week to week or over the course of a season, um, but can uh, really help you in in the wins category. Yeah, I think that's what makes Yarbrough so good is that uh, in those head-to-head leagues, if you have starts caps, and I think he'll be more valuable next year. And even if they get some other starters who they rely on in a more traditional manner, uh, other than just Snell, there's still going to be, I think, a spot for the opener, like the fifth the fifth spot in the rotation, uh, maybe even two of the spots. But even if like a glass now develops or Brent Honeywell comes back, you know, whatever they do, they might have two to three spots that are regulars 
but then another one or two would be going to uh, opener. So I think Yarbrough is still going to fulfill that role, and even if it's not Yarbrough, it could be somebody else. So I'm, I'm interested uh, to see where he goes in in mocks, and then uh, once ADP start really uh, getting. Uh, kind of set because I think he's one of those guys depending on what kind of format you're uh, playing in that he could be uh, very much underdrafted and very much overdrafted yes uh, you know I, I think that there are going to be people who aren't I don't want to say very good at fantasy but like aren't really paying attention to things that will sort by stats and go oh this guy had 16 wins last year I need him on my team um, and then I think a lot of people will kind of be in the middle of that where they go, well, he had 16 wins, but obviously can't repeat that not starting games. I'll push him down. Yeah, yeah exactly. and he'll drop. So I think it's going to be really league dependent. Uh, and so I'm interested to see where he'll kind of fall in terms of uh, uh, the industry and, and NFBC being the kind of uh, the leader in ADPs. Uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm I'm not seeing where exactly where he went. Uh, I don't know that he did go in the Turley mocks, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested to kind of see Ryan Yarbrough's uh, ADP as well, particularly in NFBC leagues, because I think he'll be undervalued there. Uh, let's move on to Seth Lugo, who's actually pitched 101 in the third innings each of the last two years. Love that symmetry of of just matching the exact innings total. This year was really sharp, though. 266 ERA, 108 whip, 25% strikeout rate against just a 7% walk rate. Um, he was mostly a swingman, only five starts this year, whereas last year he did it with 18 starts in 19 appearances. This year it was five starts in 54 appearances, but a lot of multi-inning uh, relief appearances there. And I do believe that he can secure a a rotation spot. Uh, right now they've they've got Jason Vargas penciled in, and I don't know about all that. I know he had the second half where he kind of got going a little bit for a month or two there. I mean, I'm not entirely sure if he held it all second half, but he's not blocking anybody. And then there's always health concerns up and down the Mets, but they do have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Mets, Wheeler, so, uh, and, and then Vargas there. It's not a guarantee that, that Lugo's going to be a starter, but I like him even if I just get another 100 you know, 100 to 110 innings. Uh, but I really do believe he can be a starter and and put together some really solid work. So that's why I ended up ranking him. Kind of wanted to put him on the radar as somebody who has uh, a deep arsenal with some really high-quality pitches. I thought this fastball-curveball uh, combo was something to uh, highlight, and that's why I highlighted Lugo there on the, uh, what was it, 96th on the, 94th on the list. So uh, what, what do you think of the Mets' Seth Lugo? Dude, I love that curveball. That curveball so is just so sick. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's one of those guys with like the, the super high StatCast RPM ranks. Yes. And, uh, I just I just love watching him pitch. And the the biggest concern is obviously what you kind of mentioned is is he in the rotation? Uh, I agree with you that I don't think Jason Vargas is going to be much of an impediment. Uh, I do wonder if they do have some depth at the top end of their uh, their minor leagues and in AAA uh, in terms of guys who could be coming up. Uh, Chris Flexen is a guy that people have really liked in the past. Uh, Frank and Killamy is uh, in AAA after being traded to uh, uh, for, to the Mets from Philadelphia. So I know that he probably is going to start the year on the minor league DL, but he could be up at some point. I just feel like the Mets don't love him as much as maybe we do. 
And so mm-hmm. I just don't know if they're going to give him the chance to start. But like you said, he even if he doesn't start, he's going to put up uh, pretty nice skills and statistics from the uh, from the bullpen. And so he's a guy that and, and like I talked about a little bit with Yarbor is, is we're in a in an age kind of a fantasy where the win is harder to get. Um, so he may not get a ton of wins, but he's going to provide a lot of stable innings at the back end of your rotation either way. So Lugo's a guy well, and, that I'm going to have some shares of. I don't think it's going to necessarily be an opener situation or anything, but they could also put him in valuable middle inning situations where he is in line for some decisions. He only got three wins uh, this past year, but also had three saves. If they you know, rely on him as sort of a fireman type uh, in their bridge to the to the back end of the bullpen for Seth Lugo, we could see some extra wins there as well. So I, it, I it's definitely, not like Gazelman has a stranglehold on that closer job too. They may decide too. that hey, maybe Lugo deserves some shots at closing, and I think he would be a really fun and interesting closer for the Mets uh, uh, long term. So. I think he could handle it. I mean, you know, he's got velocity, um, keeps the ball down for the most part in the park and, and misses bats. So, yeah, it would definitely work. Um, let's stay in the division, move over to the Marlins because they've got some interesting pitchers. You highlighted specifically Sandy Alcantara, but uh, they've got a few guys that, that are really uh, drawing some attention. Trevor Richards, uh, Jose Ureña when he's not throwing baseballs, people like an idiot. Um, I think even Caleb Smith, when he comes back healthy, we'll see. I know Pablo Lopez made a little bit of noise, but then ended up getting hurt. So, you know, let's, we'll see what they can do. But let's highlight Alcantara. He's probably the highest of that of their prospects. He was the big return for Marcelo Zuna from the Cardinals. And, you know, he only got six starts, put up some a decent ERA, 344. But look at that 141 whip and the fact that he walked 23 in those 34 innings. And it brings you down a little bit. But the bottom line is, is that he's a 22-year-old who has a lot of talent and I think could even develop into more of a bat misser as well. We haven't seen it yet. I still think he's – I mean, not still. Uh, he's super young. Of course he is uh, thrower versus pitcher right now. I think that that's very obvious with Alcantara. There's a lot of prospecting uh, report, prospect reports that suggested that he would become a reliever anyway. We're not there yet. But I think there, it's an electric arm either way. So regardless of role, I think there's going to be some fantasy viability here. What do you think of Sandy Alcantara going into his age 23 season next year? I agree with a lot of the scouting reports to say that he should be a closer. Uh, that being said, the Marlins have no reason not to give him an opportunity to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that's rebuilding. Closers don't have a ton of long-term value unless you're just going to trade them off. I don't think that's what they were doing when they were trying to trade for him. I think they're going to give him a shot in the rotation. Uh, I think it's going to be very frustrating to own a guy like this. And so for me, he's more of a uh, spot starter in 12 and 15 team leagues. And I'm staying completely away from him in uh, in, uh, NL only, where you're pretty much rostering the guys you draft uh, all season long. So... I just I, I worry about his ability to hit his spots. Uh, I think that he really struggles with his command. Uh, I think that homers uh, should or could come of it uh, because he he's so uh, poor at locating. Like you said, he he is just throwing. He is not pitching yet. Um, uh, you know, I, I like Real Muto as a catcher, but who knows how long he's going to be, be there? Yeah, exactly. Nah, so there's no way. I, he has no secondary stuff. It's just the fastball really uh and the fastball is electric but 
I, I, I hope they move him eventually or, or fairly quickly into a bullpen role where that can play up a little bit more. I just I worry that the, the secondary stuff just isn't there yet. Yeah, we'll certainly see if uh, if Alcantara can find something with one of his secondaries. The changeup shows flashes. I think I think it all shows flashes, but that's kind of the problem right now is that everything shows flashes, and then when it's not flashing positive, it's very negative. Um, he has 42 major league innings because he had eight with the Cardinals uh, in 2017. He has a 16% walk rate, and it's a small sample, but it gives you a microcosm of what we're dealing with here, so keep that in mind. And it was like 20% uh, last year, right? Uh, no, it's actually been oh. uh, 15 and then 16%. Okay. Like, it's been pretty consistently. Oh, 20% uh, strikeout rate is what it was. Yes, and that was that was a bit of a bummer because we didn't see his swing and miss stuff, but that's part of being a thrower. You're not effectively using your stuff. So he's a full lottery ticket. Uh, I just wanted him on the list so that people kind of know the name there. And, in fact, I think when I do my re-up, uh, Trevor Richards will pass him because I really like that change-up from Trevor Richards. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's talk about another guy who's a little bit similar in terms of being a thrower. I think he's more refined. I think there's more upside, and I don't think he's going to go to the bullpen, um, at least not yet, and that's Tuki Toussaint. And uh, he's definitely uh, gotten some some attention from folks. He was pitching in the playoffs as well. He ended up with a 4.03 ERA uh, and a 135 WHIP, but again, 21 strikeouts or excuse me, 21 walks in those 29 innings. He did have 32 strikeouts. You watch him, you see the nastiness, mm-hmm. but you see the nastiness is almost so uh, it, it, at such a high level that he can't really command the stuff. And so there's a lot of improvement here. This is definitely a lottery, lottery ticket as well. But I like his upside even more. And again, I think he has a more firm, uh, at least. Uh, path to being in the rotation for another full season plus before they would decide anything with the bullpen. Whereas Alcantara could, you know, be in the bullpen literally late 19, late 2019 at this point. I think Toussaint's going to get a, a deeper chance. What do you think of the Braves, Tuki Toussaint? By the way, we're, we're going hard on the uh, AL or NL East here. Yeah, yeah, it, se- it seems like uh, we're going to talk a lot about these guys, though. That, that this may be it. So um, I really like Tuki. Uh, while while he is more of a thrower, uh, is it is it Alcantara or Alcantara? Am I, am I, so when I it was it Al, Al, Alcantara, Mendy, it was Alcantara. I used to call him Alcantara. I've I've heard Alcantara, and that threw I, I me prefer for a loop. I prefer Contra just because it, it was a fun video game to play with when I was game. a kid. Yes. So. And uh, looking on Baseball Reference with Aris Mendy. Alcantara is what they've right. got. So that's how I've said it with all the Alcantras. If one of them switches it up just to be cute and yeah. says Alcantara. In fact, they do have Alcantara for Sandy on baseball reference as well. So that's annoying. <laughs> you know, I learned how to say it one way, and now you're flipping the script on me. So you know what? Sandy. That's your name from now on, you jerk. I like it. I like Freaking it. Sandy. I do believe it's Tuki Toussaint. Yes. If you want to put that French on it, Tuki Toussaint. I, I, I love Toussaint. Uh, he is, uh, you didn't know that French is actually my first language. So, um, Wait, but for real? yeah, for real. Um, That's really impressive. Uh, but I, I've forgotten most of it, but it was Same. what was my first language. Uh, Toussaint, uh, he is more of a thrower than he is a pitcher right now, but he does have secondary stuff. And, exactly. Uh, and, and he really has three pitches. Um, and, I, I think they're all uh, above average. And so this is a guy that I think, and, and I think the Braves showed in the playoffs that they trust him, that they think that he is a vital part of this 
team that they need him. Uh, he's not going to have a ton of innings, I don't think, next year. I think probably looking around 120 to 140, something like that. But I love the skills. Probably get a strike. You know, he's probably going to be a strikeout in an inning. I know the walks were ugly, but he limits the homers, which is really important to do in, in SunTrust. He's uh, so tough to hit. I yeah. mean, that that's the thing. Like he, he does walk guys, but uh, they also don't know how to hit him when when he is in the zone. So, and I think he has some nasty. room for some positive regression in terms of, you know, this is a guy he he put up a twelve and a half percent infield fly ball percentage, but all through the minors it was over twenty. So I, I think like he's a guy that he gets ground balls. He's going to get infield uh, fl- uh, pop ups. Uh, a lot of the time. So even if he does walk more than maybe uh, we would normally be comfortable with, he's going to get himself out of trouble too. So there's going to be mm-hmm. bad starts here and there. But uh, I think Toussaint is a guy that I would probably have in my high 70s. Uh, really like him for, for 2019. And I don't think he gets enough love. I think there's a little bit of uh, uh, prospect fatigue on him. No, I, I definitely think that uh, that you're going to be able to get Tukitsan at a, at a really fair price, um, and kind of take your gamble with him. We'll kind of see how it how it shapes out coming into the season. They've got so much pitching there that he might not come with a uh, with a ready made starting role right away. But that's okay. That's somebody that I'm willing to kind of put on the roster uh, in reserve and and kind of see what's what. He's definitely to me somebody that if he comes into spring training and shows out. The price is going to skyrocket. And all anyone needs to see is is a few good starts to basically overrate him. That people are looking for the reason to take Tucson. So he's also a guy that if you're in early drafts, like if you're insane and obviously have uh, uh, some addiction issues in terms of fantasy baseball, and you're already drafting. Uh, Paul and me. Don't, um, don't, yeah, don't know anything about that. Uh, he's a guy that uh, could get buried. In the in this uh, system, because correct, he's right now he's he's slotted in to be the number five starter. But they have a ton of guys, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm not joking when I say they have a ton of guys uh, at AAA and in the minor leagues. Uh, they have probably the deepest uh, pitching prospect uh, uh, group that I've ever seen. In terms, it's insane. Of it, it, I mean. You know, just at AAA alone, if you go over to roster resource, you've got Max Fried, Mike Soroka, Kobe Lard, uh, Luis Guerrero, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, uh, all <laughs> guys who are projected to be in the AAA rotation. Um, and that doesn't even include their top pitcher in Ian Anderson, who is in AA. They also have Joey Wentz in AA. Uh, and then a bunch of other just name guys. Uh, they need to make some moves. And I think they will. Yeah. I think they'll be aggressive because they can. Uh, they could definitely package some of this pitching and and either get a more established stud pitcher or uh, a premium hitter somewhere. I think that you know you don't want to trade all of it because pitching breaks, and that's For definitely sure. something that all of a sudden you go from depth to to not having any. But they're not in danger of that. They can they can package two three guys, and it's not going to curb the insane depth that they have and i agree with you on the early draft piece that's what i was going to say is that i want to get a few drafts locked in where i can get Toussaint at, at a fair price because if he does have that big spring training 
there goes my discount. And I again, I think he's somebody that would but you're be also a putting some riser. added risk on there if something happens, if he struggles in spring, and you never see him in the rotation again. So, sure. like he's he's definitely a guy that I'm super interested in, and in early drafts I'll take advantage of uh, the low the low price, uh, but. I'd probably stay away from him in draft and holds just because uh, I really ran into a problem in my draft and holds last year where uh, at some at points during the season, I didn't have enough starting pitchers that were healthy. Uh, yeah, and that's definitely um, – I've actually gotten some critique in, in the article that I wrote about my team saying that I did, took too many risks with guys like Garrett Hampson and Keston here. I don't really think Garrett Hampson's much of a risk. I don't I think, think he's going to play a, this a year. Keston um, here, I kind of get it, but there's also still 27 rounds, and I, I'm my experience is that you can still get a lot of like stable, boring mm-hmm. veteran types who are going to play. I need to meet the sure Kyle I'm Gibsons of the world are, are yeah, still sounds, around. Sounds like that. <laughs> and I, but I need to make sure I am taking those and not you know continue to load up on prospects. But that's why I got some high end potential prospects like a, a Tucker. Cal Tucker and a Keston here. And like, and like I said, I don't think Garrett Hampson is really that much of a playing time risk, but that's neither here nor there. Your, your point is valid. Don't get too out there on the draft and holds and, and just take a, a ton of, uh, you know, flyers because then you will, you will find yourself without being able to field a full roster. I, I think happened. people really want to win that overall in, in like the draft champions, the NFB, you know, NFBC draft champions draft and hold. And they go, well, I need this huge upside. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, and I know it wasn't a draft and hold, but one of the things I've talked about with Rob Silver is, you know, a lot of times when people are taking advantage of those high volatile players, you can win by just grabbing stable veterans and guys who are coming off of really bad years. And that's what he Mm -hmm. did the year he won the, the, uh, the main event. Doesn't have to be flashy, you know the 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 name that people throw around. I think uh, Todd Zola always throws it around. Nick Markakis it was like his go-to of stable guy because he plays all the time every year. Obviously, his price is going to go up a little bit because of the season that he just had. Depending on where um, he ends up. But you know that yeah, that was the kind of guy that you know you're going to get 650 plate appearances from hell. 700. I mean, the, the dude played every day of just quality work, and then last year it ended up spiking to uh, to an even higher level where he ended up with a. Uh, uh, all-star, gold glover, and uh, silver slugger. So good good on him. But that's uh, that's Tuki Toussaint. Let's move over to the NL Central and talk about Anthony Descofani, somebody I did take in my draft and hold there. I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, you know, there was this guy, uh, Eno Saras. Uh, mm-hmm. He works over at The Athletic now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's doing much over there. His, really, yeah. his career is like totally tanked, but don't, yeah. don't say anything yeah, about yeah. it. It's, it's embarrassing. Uh, but he was big on on Anthony Descofani years ago and uh and and really kind of hit on it because you know I think it was pre-2016 when he went out and had a nice big 20 start season but then injury struck ate up all of 17 ate up some of 18 but I think we're back again with Descofani seeing some of his his quality stuff uh he had a little bit of volatility in the second half but you kind of go into the game log you can see flashes of what what uh, what excited guys like uh, like you know coming through and I am really excited that they got Derek Johnson, the guy, the pitching coach uh, from Milwaukee over in, in Cincinnati. I think he's going to make a difference. And somebody like Descofani is somebody that I'm definitely interested in getting cheap. He's just not going to be somebody that's expensive. There's no path 
in my opinion, to where Descalfani's price is going to soar. It could go up from here, but it's not going to soar. There's just not anything he can do to people where people are be like, oh, I must get Descalfani. Even if he becomes a trendy sleeper, he's still going to have value. I don't think he'll ever get to that full wide awake sleeper where you're paying, you know, a top 120 pick or something. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. He, he's not one of these guys that is going to – he doesn't have the potential to win you a fantasy league. So I think uh, – and as long as people don't talk about him in, in that vein, I don't think his price is going to raise much higher than it probably is right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do love the skills, and I, I was an uh, early convert of Eno's uh, when he kind of jumped on the, the, the Descalfani bandwagon. I was yep, right behind he him. sold me instantly. And, uh, and I, I paid for it. I'm not going to say I didn't pay for it because it, it it hurt uh, when he got hurt and and last year I uh, you know tried to get some shares and that obviously didn't work out at all because he was hurt all year and uh, grabbed a couple really cheap shares this year and so because of that I watched a lot of them and the skills are right back to where he was and uh, you know struggle with a home run ball but that is something that he can struggle with at times. Uh, and being in Cincinnati doesn't necessarily help the cause, but he limits the walks, uh, and he's good at living the damage. Uh, I, I hope he gets rid of the curveball because it is straight-up garbage when you, when you watch it. Uh, but I think the change is actually better than maybe it played a little bit this year, and so uh, I think and – the, and the slider's great. So Yeah, the slider is the moneymaker, mm-hmm. and so if you get the fastball kind of back at, at you know an average sort of level – working with the slider and then if that change up like you said can develop a bit he can totally scrap the curve it's unnecessary he did throw it a ton but just don't throw it at all and he, just, he's 28 but he's a guy who's 28 who hasn't pitched a whole bunch he's young so. um doesn't have a lot of mileage on the mm-hmm. arm so yeah anthony descafani in cincinnati definitely someone we like i got him at pick 281 again uh you know that's a great the, spot for him i just can't see it raising that much maybe no. the the peak would be like pick 220 like i just yeah i don't even think it gets that high they're gonna be people who look at those inning totals over the last few years uh and go well this is a guy that's never gonna pitch more than 120 innings and i think last year them pushing him to 110 is is an indication that they feel he is healthy and uh ready to go and could make a big jump to like 150 160 agreed agreed so that's anthony Escafani. let's move over to carlos Rodon. um I remember this was a line that I that I said on on Baseball HQ podcast with Patrick Davitt that I like the idea of Carlos Rodon more than I like Carlos Rodon <laughs> because uh, I, I and you know I, I don't want that to sound like some cop out where I can then claim you know being correct if he ended up popping or anything even though I wasn't like fully invested I I will still get some shares like I, I'm, I'm but I am kind of straddling that line of like I don't want to go all in. But at the same time, I kind of see the glimpses of it. I'm I'm basically frustrated at this point because it's really not coming together. Um, and I wonder where we're going to see kind of the, the advancement to make it come together to a level that, that we're hoping for. Like this year, he curbed the strikeouts with no gain anywhere else. I guess he kept the ball in the yard a little bit more and the batting average came down because he did kind of go for that high heat. But... If you're gonna if you're gonna sacrifice the strikeouts that much, I'd like to see a drop in walk rate. And actually, it went up a little bit 
from 10, you know, if we, if we extrapolate out a little bit, uh, 10.4 to 10.8, basically 10 to 11%. But uh, the bottom line wasn't really that different. But I would have hoped that if you're going to curb three strikeouts off your per nine rate, a full, uh, what is that, uh, eight percentage wow. points, I would like to see the walk rate come down or something improve. And all we got was a little bit of a, a whip improvement from 137 to 126. I guess that's pretty good. Point, point 0.11 is pretty good. But uh, it still was a 418 ERA, which was only – it was actually three ticks worse than 2017. So with Carlos Rodon, at least he made it 120, 21 innings this year. Uh, add another, what, 20 from the minors. You got buck 40, so you should feel good about innings next year if he can stay healthy. He's only going to be 26. He has that – devastating slider and the velocity to work off of but i remain skeptical and so that's why i only was able to get him to 83rd on my list and i'll probably you know get a share here and there but i'm not going to go all in which a couple years ago i was going all in and and scooping him in in late rounds everywhere so what do you think of carlos rodon oh i unless i see some big changes in spring i'm probably not going to have any shares i think one that i think people are going to be this is going to be one of those wide awake sleepers and i think his value is kind of skyrocket because of the name value uh because in stretches last year he looked really good uh the problem is like you mentioned where did the strikeouts go and if he's not going to strike out guys can he live in Chicago with an 80% contact rate. No. It's it, it's going to come back to haunt him. And I just, oh, yeah, I, I, I've always been a Carlos Rodon guy, but at this point uh, I need to see some sweeping changes because while that slider is devastating, that's it. Like there is no, you know, third pitch. Uh, and I don't think that the fastball, while it has some velo from the left-hand side, is good enough right now to induce a lot more swing and miss in, in his mm. game. So I'm I'm jumping off of the Carlos Rodon uh, bandwagon until I see him do something different. Yeah, no, I, I, I again, I totally feel that. Um, and that's why, like I said, I like the idea of him more than the actual investment of Carlos Rodon because I don't think he'll be all that cheap. Um, though, you know, I wanted to look and see because I know he was kind of going for a a lower pitch count, uh, get out of at bats quicker with that up and in fastball to righties uh, as part of you know why the strikeouts went down. But it, it, pitches per plate appearances only went down from three point nine six to three point eight three. I mean, it's a dip. He but did that with a almost not 40, enough to forty three percent fly ball rate like that. It's just not enough to justify yeah. everything. So there's still a foundation here. And like I said, I'll get a share. I will. You know, I play you know, eight to ten leagues. I'll get a share just so I'm I'm there in case it pops. But uh, I'm one foot in, one foot out right now. All right, let's move on to number 78, Julio Urias. You know, the fact that he came back and pitched and was pitching in the playoffs, that's pretty huge. Because when he had the shoulder capsule injury, it was worrisome that like that's – 
you know, a career ender almost. Uh, and it's certainly a career alterer, but it looks like, and maybe he's young enough to kind of rebound from it and maybe technology and, and medicine has advanced enough to kind of help him come back from it because in the past it really has devastated careers. And so he only threw four innings uh, in the majors before the season ended, 12 innings in the minors before the season ended, and then how many bullpen, or excuse me, six playoff innings, six in the third. So he just got some time, but he finished his season on the mound. I do like that. And we saw the stuff that that generates excitement with uh, with Julio Urias. And, you know, he was getting his swings and misses. And the velocity was there. I liked a lot of what I saw. I think he's fallen off the radar enough to where I'm probably going to invest in him a bit next year. Um, I do worry, obviously, with the Dodgers about role certainty. There won't be any for him. Yeah, no. But that's baked into the price. Like you're not going to pay a lot because you you know that you're probably only going to get like a max of 110 innings. I'm okay with that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited to see if he can continue to advance. He was arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball before the shoulder capsule. So hopefully he continues to get healthy and and, and get right. Again, I think you're looking at a max of like 110 innings, but uh, I don't think you're paying a lot for it, so it might be a worthy investment. What do you think of Julio Urias? I love the skills, and I love what we saw at the end of the season and then in the playoffs. Dude was a monster, and I, I know that you know he gave up a bad home run uh, that, that hurt the Dodgers but uh, in, in those playoffs, but he's the skills are right back to where we thought they would be when he was a top prospect. And like you said, I think a lot of people wrote him off uh, considering the injury. But, I mean, he has shown at least a little bit of health. I'm I'm actually a little surprised that the Dodgers aren't going to just pitch him in the bullpen uh, for next season, that they're, they're going to try to build him back up as a starter. Uh, I, I thought they'd take it a little bit slower with him, but that means he's starting in AAA. Uh, so I have to bust him down my ranks for a little while because of the depth of that rotation. I mean, right now, Roster Resource has Ross Stripling starting in, in AAA. That's uh, insane. Yeah. It's just their depth. Yeah, their so depth nasty. is just, just crazy. But they also have one of the most injury-prone rotations in all of baseball. So you have, yes. you have uh, Ryu, Hill, Alex Wood, Kershaw, uh, you know, for their five starters who have serious injury histories, and and that's not uh, you know talking about Walker Bueller who has a who is a I believe a Tommy John uh, survivor. So he's gonna get into the rotation at some point, but you're gonna have to be patient. And if you're in a league that you can't uh, kind of stash guys in, in redrafts, uh, then he's not for you. But this is a guy that I'm gonna take in my draft and holds because I think the upside is so great. Um, and I'm probably going to roster, you know, 12 to 14 pitchers on, on a 15 draft and hold anyways. Certainly, certainly. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm right there in lockstep on Julio Arias. Uh, this next guy is also big injury risk and, and kind of carries similar upside. If, if we can actually get him on the field, that's Alex Reyes. Uh, interesting weird season this year where he came back and, you know, got hurt on the mound, pitched through it another couple innings and, that might have been the devastator. That might have been why he, what did he rip a muscle or something? That's what he ended up uh, yeah, with. Rip his lat. Yeah. And so uh, health has been a major factor for Alex Reyes. Um, 
can, what can we expect out of him? Can he stay healthy? Can we get, yeah, it was a strained lat muscle that he required surgery after he was recovering from his Tommy John. So uh, those two things stacked on each other. Innings are again going to be sparse, but uh, you know, 110 innings from guys like the Julio Rios and Alex Reyes can be impactful enough to rate as a top 75 pitcher. And I had them just outside that at 78 for Reyes and 77 for Reyes. So uh, what do you think of Alex Reyes out in St. Louis? Oh, man, <laughs> this is a hard one because I was not on the Alex Reyes train coming into this last season mm-hmm. uh, because I just didn't know what it was going to be like coming off of injury. And uh, I assumed that the Cardinals were going to take it a little bit more easy with him because they had a stacked rotation at the time. Uh, they did not. They really pushed him. I mean, he, he only had, what, one start in, in uh, low A, then a start in high A, uh, a start in double A, start in triple A, and then he was in the majors, and then he was hurt. Uh, yeah, that's brutal. So I don't know if they're going to plan on taking it a bit more slowly uh, this time, and maybe he, you know, I, I don't know what the extent of the injury is and how long he's projected to be out with it. Uh, I thought I had read somewhere that they expect him ready to compete for rotation uh, spot in spring. Okay. Uh, but the upside is great. It's huge. Dude is a great pitcher uh, and has amazing stuff. Uh, and I think he's going to be a star in this league as long as he's healthy. And I'm not ready to put an injury risk uh, or an injury-prone label on the guy. So, yeah, I'm going to have uh, a fair amount of shares. And I think, again, this is a guy who burned people last year who were really heavily invested in him. Uh, and that will and that and prospect fatigue in general will keep his price down uh, a little bit. So Alex Reyes is a guy I'm going to go back to bat for. Yeah, I... I... It's going to be price dependent for me. Again, I'd like to try to get in uh, a share. I, between the two, I'd probably go more in on Urias, uh, even though he had the more devastating injury with the shoulder capsule. I think the price will be cheaper, but Reyes is somebody who's very I, intriguing. See, I, I go the other way on that just because the the path to a, a rotation spot is so much easier for Alex Reyes. Well, that's true. I mean, they should. Well, is it? I think so, so much easier because they're, like they're starting to run into four pitchers in the Dodgers. On, on the There's dot. like 18 on the Cardinals. And, well, that's and six less. Adam Wainwright is keeping a spot. He's not going to. Yes, he is. They paid him. He's coming back. So it's got Wainwright, no, but uh, Martinez, Michaelis, Flaherty, Waka. Why do they keep doing this? I just. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's a. Uh... It is a, <laughs> a stacked rotation again. I just maybe I believe less that they're gonna keep a Wainwright in the rotation uh, after he's awful, you know, through his first you know few starts. So I would like to see him, uh, you know, find something a bit and mm-hmm. and go back into the bullpen. That'd be fun. Sure. Um, Make you him know, a not, long not, run or something. Like no, no, not not like that, though. Not like just shuffle him off there. I want him to find something to where he's like a piece, like where he matters and, and like bridges the gap to Jordan Hicks or something. That would be fun because remember he was a he was a closer for a little bit there and he he did some big things. Obviously he was an in, instrumental uh, out of the bullpen in 2006 in their World Series run. Uh, stupid garbage team should never beat the Tigers, but let's move on. Let's move on from that. Uh, but no. It, it, I'll say Reyes has an easier path, 
but I wouldn't say exponentially or that it's an easy path because I didn't even mention Luke Weaver, who I'm not going to fully give up on, even though I didn't like him this year because of the price. Now I'm coming back in because the price is nothing. And then you got you know guys who Alex Reyes is better than, but Austin Gomber, Daniel Ponce de Leon at least gives some depth. So it's not the same as the Dodgers, but it, it, there's a little bit of a Dodgers tinge to it where Reyes and Urias, they're going to have to find their way in, but that's the, the grind of 162. They're going to get their innings. And if they're healthy and ready, those two take precedent over some of the other guys just because they're so good. And both those teams could make moves to clear paths for them as well. So keep that in mind. Um, all right. Oh, I didn't even notice this. I didn't even look at the – you had Weaver next. So mm-hmm. let's loop him in. Luke Weaver also not currently slotted in to have a rotation spot yet. Again, he was going as like a top 30 starter last year. I thought that that was way too much for me. So I backed off. I didn't necessarily feel like he was going to have a 495-150 whip ERA whip combo. I did think it was going to be a low force because he had 388-126 the year before. I thought we were looking at like – 421.30 and the, the strikeouts were scary to me because he didn't have a swinging strike rate to go with it and I was I was trying to make sense of where the strikeouts came from. So those are my concerns with Weaver. Not that I thought he would tank. He ended up tanking. That was a bit of a bummer. But again, now I've come around because the price is 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 so much lower that I'm going to take a shot on a 25-year-old who has prospect pedigree, who's had success in the majors who I think will get another shot this year. They're not going to jettison him um, as a consider. I mean, they might trade him, but that would be for a big, you know, like uh, to get something big, not because they think he's, he's garbage. So what do you think of Mr. Uh, Luke Weaver? I think I'm in uh, direct alignment with you. Uh, I wasn't in on him either. I just felt like the price was too, uh, too high considering the the lack of major league track record, the fact that uh, not only had he not shown a lot of the underlying skills for the strikeout bump, but that he had never been considered in the minor leagues as a flamethrower. This is a guy who could always pick his spots, uh, and I think he'll be more of that guy. I, I Do I think he can you know bust it up to a strikeout in inning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can, and I think the walks will come back down uh, a little bit, so... The yeah, question, he can develop. Yeah, the question is, like, does he get a spot in the rotation at some point? I think there is, well, like we talked about with uh, with Reyes, that this rotation is uh, a little bit stacked to start the year. It's also got a ton of question marks. I think Jack Flaherty is obviously the guy that you go, okay, he's in the rotation, Nicholas as well, in the rotation, no doubt about it. But then there are question marks with other guys. As much as I love Carlos Martinez, he had found a lot of success in the bullpen. There are some questions, I guess, uh, that I, I didn't know about this, but um, my uh, one of my uh, co-owners at Friends Fantasy Benefits, Matt Thompson, is a huge Cardinals homer. I mean, just huge Cardinals yes, homer. He's, he's locked in on them yeah. full step. Uh, and he said one of the reasons they moved him to the bullpen is because he kept showing up late for his uh, starts to the point where oh, wow. they had guys in, uh, warming up. Uh, to take Just over him, yeah, and so they felt he Yikes. wasn't showing maturity, uh, and that they felt that they couldn't sh- rely upon him to show up on time for his scheduled start. So that's not one what of the you want to see. Mm-hmm. And so, while I love oh. Carlos Martinez, and I actually really love the discount we're getting from him, same there is uh, there are some huge question marks, and I think valid concerns. Yeah, yes. and so 
you know, and then obviously Mike Waka, I love him. I know you love him. Yes. Uh, Can't quit him. But there's I, obvious I, I, question marks in terms of health, and Adam Rainwright is Adam Rainwright. So I mm-hmm. think there is a shot for Luke Weaver to weasel his way back into the rotation. I wonder if, in one of the things we talked about in the offseason, uh, and one of the things that I was a little bit scared of, I wonder if the the massive weight game and muscle that he put on, yeah, you re- did talk about that, really affected his delivery last year. And I think, uh, you know, he needed time to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe this year it becomes a, a uh, this year being nineteen, it becomes a, a benefit. And now they just like figured out how to kind of work with that with that body and that added weight. Um, but when you make stark changes like that, it's not always for the positive. It can like, mess up uh, your mechanics. I mean, there, there's exactly. such a fluidness to the way you pitch. Um, and if you, you know, I'm sorry, but if you change your body type all of a sudden, that's going to change your balance. It's going to change your posture. Uh, you know, I'm sure Doug uh, Thorburn. Uh, Doug Thorburn would tell us on yeah, that for we, sure. Definitely. Uh, at least I hope he would back me up, but you know I don't want to speak for Doug. But uh, I think you're dead right on that. Like I, I I'm not even sure. I get well, we we could check with him because I mean that's his forte and that's something that's that's worth discussing. But I'd be surprised if he if he said something to the counter that that it wasn't the case because it it just seems like. Um, yeah, exactly what I think it would be that uh, it's going to change things and you're going to have to kind of work from it, especially when you make a stark change too. Not we're not talking like two, three pounds, but if you put on 10 pounds yeah, of muscle, 10, 15 pounds of muscle, up. especially when you're such a naturally lanky guy to add yes. that much shape to your body and weight to your body uh, is a huge difference. I mean, there, there's a huge difference between someone who is my size putting on 10 to 20 pounds Whereas someone, you know, like you, who's, who's yeah, thin, yeah. Um, and Weaver is a very thin guy, uh, putting on 10, 20 pounds of muscle is, you know, really changes the dynamic of his body. And so uh, I'm, you know, hoping, one, that maybe he won't do that again. Like, he's not going to continue to try to add muscle. And two, like you said, that he is a little bit more acclimated to it. Uh, and that really helps him get back to the pitcher he was, which was a guy with amazing control and was learning how to strike people out. Yes, definitely. And uh, so I'm I'm excited to kind of invest, reinvest here on the low price um, because you know if Weaver doesn't even have the guaranteed spot, the price can be really low. Another guy that between February and March drafts could could escalate, but I don't think he'll escalate to a point where I'm going to be out. So I will have probably multiple shares of Luke Weaver on the cheap. This next guy, I don't know. And I have him 73rd, and I can already tell you on the update, he's already moved down. I'm looking at it right now. He's moved down. I am just suspect on Sean Newcomb. And you, you look at it, and you'd have to kind of dig into the game logs to remember that there were points where he was like really excellent this year, and he and he was tracking, you know, in lockstep with Mike Fultonevich as they were having like dual breakouts. He was instrumental to their success. He had a second half fade without a doubt, but you got to give Sean Newcomb some some credit this year. It's not, it wasn't all bad, and there were definitely improvements. I mean, just looking at the ERA and WHIP from 432-157 to 391-33. I know 391-33 is not knocking your socks off, but it's a it's tangible improvement from what he did the previous year. Uh, but he had, he had a weird a weird trajectory throughout the season. Again, May, June, one of the best pitchers going. And again, pitch for pitch, he and Fulte were absolutely dominating. But from that point on, he was pretty mediocre. And he had a stark 
home road split with some skills to match with. Uh, and I don't have K percentage. I could do it on the calculator real quick, but just doing the K nine because I'm looking at splits on on uh, BREF. Three strikeout difference from seven point two to ten point two. Yeah, less than a strikeout in an inning in the well in the actual second half too it's just yes so it was it was a weird setup uh and a big fade and i didn't love it and the bottom line now i look and i see that the strikeout walk rates from 2017 to 2018 for sean newcomb are virtually identical and i don't know what i'm really building off here did you know can he be much better than 391 33 that's fine for somebody you know taken in the 80s for pitchers but is there really upside here? He was a prospect. I think people are going to bake in more upside than I'm really seeing with Newcomb, and that's why I'm kind of pushing away, even though he is just going to going to excuse me going into his age 26 season. How do you feel about the uh, the southpaw Sean Newcomb? Usually, I love to disagree with you. It's it's what <laughs> makes uh, this so much fun, and uh, what what I think some people some listeners out there really like. Uh, but for those of you who prefer when uh, we, we are playing nice, uh, this is the episode for you, I guess, because I'm, I'm right in lockstep with you. I was going to say that... We're not going to manufacture disagreement. Yeah, no, and I, I've been anti-Sean Newcomb. I think I joked when he was in that stretch where he was just you know mowing people down earlier in the season. I was like, just wait. The second half will come for Sean Newcomb. And it did, man. Uh, and it, 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 it has play. every year he's pitched in the majors. He's always gotten out of these starts and then faded. Uh, and I think that's part of it's just uh, people watching more film on him and kind of getting a read on him and being able to see him better. Uh, and then I think he does get tired uh, in the second half. Uh, from July 3rd, which was you know his first start in July, on uh, 545 ERA. Uh, his oh strikeouts dropped uh, almost to an inning uh, in his K-9. His walk per nine was uh, 5.2, giving up almost 1.4 homers uh, per nine. I, so to put that in perspective, the first three months through June, Newcomb had a 271. Yeah. And then you said 545 in the final 71 innings in the final three months. That's brutal. I mean, that's, that's cuttable at that point. And it, it becomes one of those guys that, you don't see it in the bottom line ERA really until uh, late August when he when he got up uh, his last start in August, pushed him to a 385. That's when you really start to see it be mediocre. So you're not seeing it because he had such a, a built-in uh, strong ERA that a lot of people probably ate most of that most of that trash from him. And he was so volatile too. Uh, to open June, 5-5. Five, five, and three earned runs. The three earned runs was in five and two thirds, so it wasn't a quality start. That's not an awful start, but you're looking at 13 runs there in uh, what is it like 12 in? Yeah, 12 innings on the dot. But then it's six one, six innings, uh, one run, eight and two thirds, one run, six innings, one run. So three more starts right in a row. Okay, great. Then nine and a third, 12 earned. Then six shutout. Then six earned. It's like so guardrail to guardrail that you probably can't time it right. People were probably putting him on the bench for some of the good ones and then taking the hits. And he had to have been absolutely maddening to have in the second half for Sean Newcomb. And I mean, even if you know, you want to see a huge stark difference, you know, for the year, his pitch value with his fastball is 14.2 from July, the beginning of July on. So after the first two months, 2.6 total. Uh, uh, fastball value. Dang, so that was 
all earned mm-hmm. in that in that first yeah. couple months. So I don't know. Maybe he was dealing with injury. We talk about pitchers are always injured, and it's just a matter of whether or not they can pitch through it. Yeah, uh, to what degree. And so maybe this was him just pitching through something. But this is the second year in a row where he has really fall uh, fell off uh, in the second half of a season. Uh, and I think people are still going to be drafting him as a top 50 pitcher, and I think that is a huge mistake. Gross. Yeah, I think Sean Newcomb's a true talent, 420, uh, 135 kind of guy with some strikeouts. That's basically the bad Gio Gonzalez, and I'm I'm all set. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather just take the real Gio Gonzalez because he's gonna be great. In Ten Oakland rounds again. later. Oh God! If he, is he gonna go to Oakland? Is that your pick? That, that's where I think. That's where I picked for. Uh, I would love that. Oh, I and, would and love uh, that. Uh, big shout out to everybody uh, who listened to the pod with I think with me and Jason uh, and Ian uh, and signed up for the uh, the, the little the game, free agent guest the free yes. agent game. Uh, I think over four hundred responses. Holy Toledo! So that's fantastic. It's gonna be interesting. To try to figure out who wins that tiebreaker, but because um, I'm not buying 40, uh, <laughs> 40 t-shirts for people. No. <laughs> as no. much as I love Rotoware and want to support them, uh, I'm not buying 40 t-shirts. So, but by the way, uh, amazing not to uh, not to twist the knife on on you missing it, but Rotoware made a, a first pitch shirt. Yeah, and it was awesome. I they know. held it up like uh, I think. Uh, Brent was up there saying, hey, we got t-shirts. As soon as they held up, I was like, that's a Rotoware shirt. Like, I knew. I was mm-hmm. like, that is too sick to not be a Rotoware shirt. Then I looked it up, and I was like, yep, knew it. I just felt good about calling it. It's I surprising my face wasn't on it. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you'd been there, maybe they would have fit it in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you, you could have, maybe they could make a small case, lowercase i, and then your face mm-hmm. could be the dot oh on it. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. And then, you know, that maybe something like that, and like, I could be the P. I'm like nice. skinny. I don't nice. know. We could, we could yeah, figure out the little loop of the top of the P could be your glasses. Love it. See, you were you're welcome, Rotoware. Yeah. We're just coming uh, up right. with ideas little by little. Got two more guys here. Uh, let's start with Tyler Glass later. Glass now, depending on how you feel. How do you feel? Let's just go right into that. Well, let me give you a little setup. Hang on, I've been giving setup on everybody. Let me do that. Um, obviously, gets traded mid-season over to Tampa Bay. It wasn't as much. Uh, I think his improvements get a little bit overrated. Well, especially because <laughs> the bottom line, the ERA wasn't that different. But mm-hmm. that's why you don't just use ERA. By the way, it's both over 56 innings 52, 55 and two thirds with Tampa Bay, 56 with uh, Pittsburgh. So basically, equal samples 434, 145 with Pittsburgh, 420, 110 with Tampa Bay. So that is an improvement because you love that that whip. It's markedly better. And where did it come from? It did, in fact, come from the walk rate, which I like. But there were still those gas can outings that 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 concern me. But you don't just hate on every bad start and, and dismiss every good start. So I don't want to do that. I want to be open to, okay, maybe there's some improvement. It was still an 8% walk rate. Mm-hmm. I like that because it is an improvement from the fact that he's a career 13%. But you're still on the line there, um, and it, that can work with a 28% strikeout rate for sure. You got, you know, the the fact that he has the swing and miss, that's great. But then home runs became an issue. So was was the the improvement in walk rate uh, since it was counterbalanced by a a doubling of his home run rate from 0.8 to 1.6? 
did those go hand in hand? Was he finding the zone with less, uh, with more control and less command, and so he was just getting trounced, or was that incidental? And then the home runs just happened to go up, and they aren't related. I don't know. I am still skeptical on on Glass now, and I know that every time he has a good start. People are going to tweet me about how good he is. Every time he has a bad start, those people are going to delete their account. I'm not going to be able to find them. That's just how it's going to go. I'm open to adjustments here if he, if I see full-scale improvements. Right now, I saw a little improvement. I'm still not really taking glass now. I did rank him 69th, which is pretty nice. nice. How do you feel about it? So here is uh, my thoughts, and... I I was on board with you in terms of I wasn't going to invest when he when he was traded. I, I, I still think there are issues with him mechanically and repeating his delivery. Uh, and I think while he started off super hot in Tampa Bay, I, I think those issues kind of bore out to be true. Uh, if you watch him, he struggles repeating his uh, mechanics on... Uh, you know, pitch to pitch, and then, but especially day to day. And so you're going to have these games in which he's amazing, and then you're going to have these games in which uh, it's uh, not great, and you're going to get hurt by walks and home runs, and uh, he's not going to go deep. And especially if you're in uh, a format that's like a, a, a weekly head to head, he's going to sink your week. Um, exactly. He reminds me of Jonathan Sanchez. Oh my God! Oh, what a name! What you know, a pull! It's just you know one of those guys that when you watch him on the right day, you go, "This guy is never going to be hit." Like and when then, he threw a no hitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sanchez, that is. And I had tickets to that game, didn't go. Um, oh. <laughs> gosh, yeah, uh, but uh, they're going to be the majority of the time you're going to be really really frustrated with him and I think at the end of the I think the end of the year line is going to be palatable but your blood pressure is going to have gone up 20 <laughs> 30 points because well, yeah you're gonna you're gonna look at this I mean you just look at his game log from when he was in Tampa Bay yes. like it was uh atrociousness you know against some bad teams uh it was just fantastic outings uh, against, you know, great teams. You know, Cleveland was a very good team last year, and he just shoved against Owned them. Owned twice. Yeah. He somehow faced Toronto four times. Just the scheduling of that to not join a team until August 1st and then face – I know it's division, but still, to face a team four times, that's kind of crazy. Uh, and it was mixed results. His first one, he was really good. Five innings, one run uh, on only two hits. And then he gets shellacked. Then it was a trouncing of seven runs in two thirds. Then it was a baseline quality start, six and three, and then it was five and a third, three. Uh, here's the thing: there is not much precedent, uh, and certainly not not a whole scale precedent that you could really bet on, of guys with this kind of walk rate coming up through the minors and early into their major league career fixing it. There just isn't. So it's going to be something that he has to work around and and kind of seek that that eight to ten percent mark and kind of live there and you can guys can live there and they can have quality seasons robbie ray i think still had a ten percent two years ago when he was good you know we see guys they they can have quality seasons while still walking too many guys 
but it really puts a cap on on just how good they can be. I mean, Fulton Evich himself, we talked about how good his season was. He had a 285 ERA. He had 9% walk rate. Um, Blake Snell just won a Cy Young with a 9%, his own teammate. So the, the 8 to 10%, you can live there. I, I think that's that's where he's going to spike to have like his best season. I still think he's going to live personally in in the ten to twelve range, and so for me that just makes Glass now too volatile, and not somebody I really see developing into anything all that special. The strikeouts are going to keep him as a fantasy asset, but I think he'll continue to be overrated. I think, and that's the that last word is, is the reason is. Is much and I and I've really liked Glass now in the past. I had him in a bunch of dynasty leagues. I ended up selling him off because I just got to a point with him where I just couldn't handle you know when's he coming up because he's in Pittsburgh and uh, is he going to ever be able to uh, you know repeat his mechanics uh, on a regular basis? Uh, the problem is he's going to be overrated. People are going to remember that hot start and push him up. Like, I, I don't think, you, if you rank him as your 69th pitcher, you're not getting him in the majority of formats. Yeah, that's true. That's and, true. And so, even though uh, that is a nice ranking, uh, <laughs> one, I would probably have him lower, but two, uh, I don't think you're going to get him at that price. And I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily afraid of taking shots on guys like this, because if they do hit... Uh, then you're you're you know you know if you hit on Blake Snell this year you you had a really it was you transcendent know, yeah, yeah you had it a huge totally chance to win your season. league um, so I don't want to give up on a guy like Glass now but I'm not going to pay the the tax that I think is coming with it he was pick 169 uh, nice on yeah. average in uh, in yep. the two early months and, and he went as too high. He went as high as 121, which was in my league, actually. And the lowest he went was 202. 202 I can get more in on, but I think he's going to lean more toward the higher end. Yeah, I think he's going to be around 150, and that, I think, for me, is you're just getting too many stable parts of a fantasy rotation around that point that uh, taking such on such volatility means you can't take on... Like, if you draft a, a glass now around 150, you're not drafting Tukey later. Yeah, you you can't. I mean, you can't just keep putting those kind of volatility, uh, those kind of volatile arms together because they're just not all going to hit. So you, you, you maybe take one and kind of see what's what. Um, all right, so that's that's Tyler Glass. Now we'll kind of see how it goes. Obviously, I've kind of put my my flag in the ground on on how I feel about him. And again, if it develops and there's some major changes, I will be open to it. But history is definitely on my side of saying that guys like this with this kind of walk rate don't really change. Uh, all right, last guy here, Alex Wood, and we talk about you know the whole. I think Nick calls it Dodgeritis, and and we we already uh, addressed it with Arias, and how Stripling's not even slated to be in their opening day roster, uh, but Alex Wood currently is. It's Kershaw, Bueller, Ryu, uh, Rich Hill, and then Wood. We know we kind of know the deal there too. That doesn't mean that he's going to get a buck eighty, uh, or or really anything close to it. That's just not what they've really done with him. He's a one hundred and fifty inning pitcher. I think that's how he he finds the most success. He's been at one uh, one fifty two and a third, and one fifty one and two thirds the last two years, and he's been pretty darn good for them. He was awesome in twenty seventeen. He was an all star, two seventy two ERA, one oh six WHIP. Uh, this past year, pretty solid, three sixty eight, one twenty one combo. He's just a solid pitcher. Um, 
I think you need to have a league that that has the flexibility to kind of move him on and off your roster as as they kind of jettison him between uh, the DL and um, and the rotation and even the bullpen and the rotation because maybe you don't want him in for those relief innings. But Alex Wood, I think, is kind of set as he is. I would not project any sort of real upside. In fact, I would kind of take the easy way out and just look at the last two years averaged a little bit, and it's a 320-113. I would call that the upside. And I would plan for 2018. I think the price that you pay for Alex Wood allows you to get 2018 repeat, and it's fine. How do you feel about Alex Wood? Um, I'm always going to be a little bit higher on Alex Wood than you, and uh, I, I know like the reduced velocity is uh, what troubles a lot of people. I don't understand how steamer and depth charts only project him for f- 57, 58 innings. What? Yeah, like I, I don't. I have two years of 150, uh, and they and that's what is dri- you know one of the things that's driving down his price a lot uh, in some of these early mock drafts and early drafts is the projection system seemed to already count him either in the bullpen full time. Mm. Um, that's yeah, that's got to be what it is because they have him with yeah. 26 appearances and six games started. I think I that's that. wrong. I think this did is he a- get hurt. They in the playoffs him, that they we don't moved, know of. No, they just moved him to the bullpen towards, you know, off and on towards the end of the year, and then yeah, he they was do in that the bullpen the in the postseason. I think that is a, a miscalculation. Uh, I agree. That's why. Maybe wild. you don't project him for 150 again, but like you can't project him for less than 130. Or yeah, I mean, yeah. 120 is, I think, being conservative. And I know that Steamer is traditionally conservative, but this is too conservative. I think he is a a, a three. Two, three, three pitcher with just under a strikeout in inning next year, 140, 150 innings. Uh, and if you're getting him as late as I've seen him go, uh, you're getting a steal as your fifth or sixth pitcher. 30 picks, so two rounds in a 15 teamer, lower than Tyler Glass now, who we just talked about. And there's no universe where I don't prefer Alex Wood. Sean Newcomb goes higher than him and there's no universe where I don't prefer Alex Wood. Um, and I'm not, like you said, you're higher on him than I am. I'm not even like super huge, but come on like this. He's, he's, he's got a proven track record here of success. He's uh, in fact, by the way, I, I read those numbers of smashing 17 and 18 together. It was 320, 113 whip. That's pretty close to his career averages, 803 innings, 329, 121. So, I mean, Sounds great. what's this guy got to do? You know, they really are so deep, though, because they got those five projected on roster resource. You mentioned that that leaves Ross Stripling in triple A. Kenta Maeda in the bullpen. Julio Arias, excuse me, in triple A. Um, and then you can even jump down a level. The guys like Brock Stewart, who is interesting. We mentioned Eno Saris. He's always liked uh, Brock Santana Stewart. Is still- Santana uh, Caleb Ferguson, you got an innings eater type like Tom Kohler just chilling in triple A in case they need to just get a random spot start after like a double header or something. So, I mean, they've got so much depth. They're ripe for a move, though. I don't know that they come in with all of this. I just think it would it make sense. seems like they would match up really well with a team like the Yankees who need yes. a starter uh, or two or seven. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think they're going to get Corbin and trade for somebody. I really do. It's not, it's not an either or situation. Yeah, as far as I think concerned. so too. And I think that they, you know, there has been rumors about a, a Giancarlo Stanton trade. 
it would not surprise me if that is something that actually happens. They but trade. that's the only team I would th- I would see it because he almost went out there. Oh, for sure. Last year, because mm-hmm. most teams aren't going to take that money. No. They might be the ones that say, "Hey, we'll we'll, we'll do it." Yeah. Um, the the other team the other the other team that would be willing to do it would be the Giants, and they're in, they're going to be in full rebuild mode. So, um, yes. You know, maybe the Cardinals. I, if the Cardinals. How do you feel about uh, about Farhan Zaidi coming in? You happy with that move? I am. I, I think he's got a I proven tra- track record. I think that they're going to, you know, the, the Giants did what they had to do to win three World Series. And as painful as this rebuild's going to be, and it is going to be extremely painful, mm-hmm. uh, I ha- yeah, it needs to be done. And I've got three World Series championships to kind of help me go to sleep at night. So exactly. I think they picked the right guy for it. And I think that it is... Uh, uh, going to be interesting to see what they do in this first off season because, you know, Bumgarner's in the last year of his uh, his contract. He, there's obviously not going to come back on a long term deal. So, are they really going to start burning things to the ground right away? I think the winter meetings are going to be really interesting this year. Yeah, I think they are. I, I'm wondering. So, I think this happens every year. I think this is one of those things that we we always forget the this year, but. When do things really start to kick into high gear with moves? The winter meeting. Is it? Is it okay? It's after Thanksgiving, right? Because yeah, people yeah. are. It's usually early know, December. In um, my Twitch chat every night, they're like, "When are the moves going to start?" I was like, "I don't think they really like." They every- used to start around Thanksgiving. Um, like I remember, I think it was Mark Teixeira signed that huge deal on Thanksgiving oh, that's a Day. Long time ago now, too. Um, but yeah, the the way things have gone, at least you know, and I'm not like. I don't have any anything to back this up other than the way it feels, is we go to the winter meetings, teams make trades before they start really looking yes. at these free agents. I mean, Bryce may sign, Machado may sign, um, but, you know, it's, those are also Boris clients, and you know Boris, he's going to, like, wait out for the best deal possible Certainly. Uh, and screw the rest of the market. So uh, I think maybe he learned his lesson a little bit last year with that, and he'll let his big guys sign, especially Machado first. Uh, to kind of set the the market for Bryce, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I would expect by early to mid December we're going to start seeing a lot of these guys come off the board. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll start to see stuff, and I think it's going to be a really interesting trade market. That's what I'm excited for. We've already hit on uh, a couple things that could be happening. I just think there's teams. You know, we talked about how Seattle's uh, going to be start to tear tear some things down, so they're going to be a player in making some things. I'm just I'm really excited about uh, what we're about to get into because uh, we're not there yet, but it's it's bubbling, and I think once the dam breaks. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up your birthday episode. I hope you enjoyed that one. That was a lot of fun talking pictures. Um, I think we'll be back next week. Oh wait, next yeah, week's the holiday. Next week's Thanksgiving. So yeah, yeah. I got a feeling we will not be back next week. Uh, I, I will see. All there'll be is a. I think there'll be a solo, and then Nick and I might be able to get together on. Friday night, but I don't want to, I, I will commit to a solo and that's it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure week. my, uh, my daughter's coming home from the hospital, uh, early next week. So I'll probably be taking the week off from everywhere. We'll um, all be thankful for that. that that'll be so, great news. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll get back together in, in the beginning of December and, uh, start knocking some more yeah. of these out. 
and we hit them with back to back, and you guys were with Ian this week, so ho- hopefully they got enough. Maybe they stored them, uh, stored a few away uh, for their travels coming up. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk in two weeks uh, at the earliest. But we'll keep you guys posted on when that's going to happen. There will be podcasts in the interim, but maybe just one next week, and then the week after a little bit more. So, all right, Justin, have a good one. I'll talk to you later. I'll miss you. I'll miss you too, buddy. Bye. <laughs>